and welcome to Table Talk for another night. So glad you can join us. Um, and remember, we have a prayer team that are always on hand waiting for you. Just hit the prayer button anytime and we've got a team who are waiting for you. So good to have you with us for Table Talk. I'm excited because tonight we've got um, Matt Foster. Matt Foster runs our Surfing Connect group. He's a school teacher. Him and his wife, Michelle, uh, they do amazing things at our church. But you know what? What I'm really excited is, is his story and how he came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And at 8 o'clock, we've got Mr. Elliot Moore. That's right, Elliot Moore. He runs our, our Connect groups here at Hamilton Elam. He makes sure we all organize and all our teams are ready to go. So he's going to be bringing a word at 8 o'clock. So I also just want to encourage you again that if you have any time during this live stream that something freezes, something goes wrong, just hit the refresh button and you should be back in it. No problems at all. So here we go. Let's get into table talk. So Mr. Matt Foster, are you there? Hello, Mr. Matt. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me, Ant? How you doing? Awesome. Yeah, really good. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation tonight. I really appreciate it. It's cool. Oh, great. Uh, what's it like um, being a surfing guy like yourself and you can't surf? <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit frustrating. Um, really makes you appreciate things, actually. And it, it, it makes you really think about um, how much sometimes we take things for granted. So, uh, you know, it's good to lay down the surfboard and put back things back into perspective and really think carefully about what's important. Um, you know, Jesus first, surfboard second. Yes, he walked on water. Yes, he surfs. But at the end of the day, um, yeah, you know what? It's really made me think about where I'm at with God and uh, contemplate life and think about things more deeply in a, in a really neat, um, you know, in a neat way. So lay the surfboard down, surfing later, maybe next week, maybe the week after. That's okay. But, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's tough. Other things for fitness, getting out there, riding the bike. Yeah, that's good. Dog, getting time with the family. Um, and you've got a big dog. Yeah, we've got a big dog. We've got a big uh, boxer dog. He's cheeky, um, clown-like boy, but he's yeah, he's strong, so he pulls me along the road, but good for fitness. Um, yeah, gets me out on the streets. Oh, awesome. So tell me, with level three next week, can you go surfing? I know you can get KFC, but can you go surfing <laughs> for level three next week? KFC, surf, let's... Let's do surf. Let's, let's do KFC. Kai for Christians. Yes, sense. Come on. Let's Kai for Christians. <laughs> Um, look, I think with the surfing, um, it's going to be a little bit, um, bit more patience required. I think if you're if you're local, if you lived out at Raglan or you lived on the east coast, you can go surfing. I think for us to travel uh, next week, another forty minutes is probably not ideal at the moment. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's so, wise. Yeah, we probably just have to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, come on. And you know, what, and what it means is that when you do get out on the, those waves, it means a little bit more. You know. Yeah, that's gratification. True. That's true. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. And so, um, different perspective on things. Um, and when we, yeah, when we do get back to the the surf, I mean, like like a lot of things for people, I think we'll all be really deeply thinking and appreciating every moment. Maybe not complaining so much, not maybe not moaning so much. Maybe just realizing that we've got it very good in New Zealand. And uh, yeah, let's just let's just appreciate things in a different light. Absolutely, Ant, you're quite right. Now, during level four, like all the takeaways been closed, no Maccas. No KFC, none of that. But your family, I noticed on fa Facebook that your family still had Maccas. Your family still had KFC. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, look, I'm, a, I'm married to a really amazing woman, and she's very, very creative. And um, I'm very inspired, actually, about her enthusiasm. She said, you know what? Let's bring them back to the, let's bring the family together. Let's have some takeaways, but let's do it under slightly different circumstances. So she made the labels. She created the meal. 
And the KFC we've had, the McDonald's we've had, the takeaways we've had as a table, we've really appreciated it. We've been together as a family um, and um, had takeaways, but slightly different in a slightly different manner. But boy, was it close. And uh, yeah, she even <laughs> sent it into the news, I think. And I don't know if it was online or anything, but it was a real McCoy. So yeah, very proud of um, our family and proud of my wife for bringing the family together and having some fun with takeaways. Made the labels, made the wrappers, made she the food. She made the wrappers and the labels. Yeah, everything. It was the really cool. The we had lots KFC of fun. bucket. Yeah, uh, not, wow. the, not the KFC. We, the KFC didn't have the wrappers, but she made the McDonald's wrappers. So, but uh, we had the KFC chicken and the gravy and the potato, and it was really cool. Yeah, we had a little KFC label there too on that night. It was really neat. Yeah, finger looking good, was it? <laughs> yeah, finger looking good. <laughs> <laughs> little oh, red spoon, little table napkin. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, hey, um, it was fun. So level three, that starts um, at, what is it, 11.59 Monday right 11 59 p.m so what i'm gonna do at at midnight i'm gonna be parking outside the drive-thru at kfc no just kidding anyway <laughs> you're also a school teacher school started yeah. back so tell us what some of the challenges as a doing school online with your students what's it like yeah so it's been really good um the reason being is you know um school work still needs to happen um and we're doing um as you said school online we're using google classroom um, the neat thing about it is if we can get good with technology now, it can only complement what we do in the future. So I can now see myself in the future going back to school eventually and um, using it for dual purposes. So we have a little bit online um, and a little bit, you know, um, up front with the students and we'll use them in conjunction with each other. So we can only get stronger from that. The challenge here is to be precise. If I send an instruction or ask the kids to do something and uh, my wording's not quite right, then as you can imagine, thousand questions come back. I don't understand this. I can't find this. What do you mean by this? So what it means is slowing down, which is good for me because I'm hyperactive anyway. So it means slowing down, getting things right, being more accurate, being more precise, aiming for a bit more precision. And actually, it saves you a lot of problems in the future. So this has taught me a lot of lessons. And this has taught me to slow down, think carefully about what I'm doing. You know, put God first and say, God, can you bless my teaching? Can you come into my lessons yeah, here that's good. and help me to really communicate effectively with these students? So it's been really good for me. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, I guess homework that, you know, there is no homework because everything's done at home, yeah, right? right? Homeschool. Yes. So do you True. do any marking or how does that work? We do. We give the students feedback. I think there's not quite as much marking at the moment and slightly lower expectations. We do want to simplify things. You know, what we've got to do here is take pressure off the families. We've got to say to the families, the students are in your hand or your kids are in your hands at the moment. And we respect that. Okay. So um, teaching is a privilege. But also what we want to do is when I'll own parents and say, you know, parent knows, parent knows best. If you want to go and do some cooking lessons with your students, if you want to go outside and play, go for a bite ride, tickle the dog's belly, whatever you're going to do, um, you know, you balance it at home and you make the decisions with what you're going to do with your child's program throughout the day. Um, I guess... Two, we need to respect the fact that sometimes as teachers, we think in a certain way, just like anybody in any occupation thinks in a certain way. So we, we just need to not presume that parents can um, decipher what we're sending and take the pressure off. So we just let the parents do it in their timing. There's lots of really cool websites like Mathletics and um, Reading Eggs and things like that online. Yeah. So um, just, just give it back to the parents a little bit and just say, we'll work with you, we'll supply the resources, but you know best, okay? You know the timing and That's how good. your family routine's working. Because every family is different, so we've got to respect that. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, what kind of advice can you give to parents out there who are struggling to get their kids to start? Um, but you've really given some advice. Have you got any other advice to help parents out there? Yeah, sure. Have fun. Um, enjoy every moment. 
um don't take it personally if things are going wrong like right. you know child's um you know um upset or frustrated you've got to understand that let's not presume that the students or kids or family kids don't know what's going on here they know they're very very alert and very very onto it and they knew from the outset that this was a serious business that we're going into with COVID. and so just take it easy be gentle have fun yeah, that's good um just step by step little chunks so you know you might play a game in the morning hey let's start each morning with a game so we're going to play a game and um then from there, we're going to have a little break. Hey, you've played the game well. Let's have a little break. You, what would you like to do? You know, you can choose. Right, next thing, we're going to do a little mass together. I'm going to sit alongside you. You're independent now. You can do this. I'll be back in 10 minutes. And then we're going to have another little break. So, you know, I've, I've even spoken to a few parents on the phone and just said, take the pressure off yourself. Take the pressure off the kids. Take the pressure off the family. Do what you can. I really don't believe over this period of time that kids are going to fall behind after yeah. a few weeks of popping in the class. In fact, you know what? They're going to gain heaps of other stuff. Yeah, communication right. reading cookbooks relating to their family working through a few problems praying together reading the bible having a laugh picking yeah, up leaves. all those things are so important you know creative i even encourage the kids to go and make a little cross out of sticks and stuff and they were getting yeah. rakes and planting rackets and sending me photos and you know just oh, awesome. being a little diverse Mm. I play a game with my kids and so what the game we play in the mornings is like who can stay in the room the longest so that works really well. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, so, I've been playing a game with Lucas. Who can vacuum the lounge with fastest? Get a few <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Who can make my 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 uh, my breakfast the best? Yeah. But anyway, uh, Matt, Matt, what I do want to ask is, like, tell us your story. How did you become a Christian? When did you become a Christian? How did it all start? How did you get here at Hamilton Elam? So, could you share a bit of your story? That's awesome. Thank you, Ants, for the opportunity. Look, tonight I just thought I'd do something slightly different. I've got my um, book here. It's called Groundswell. And I was. Uh, this is an international book on how Christian Surfers International started, how Christian Surfers New Zealand started. So what I thought I'd do is I have I already had my testimony published. So if everybody's okay, I guess you've got no choice. But um, I just thought I'd read to you rather than go through my testimony. Just read to you quickly because my testimony is already printed in here. Yeah, that's right. Actually, uh, I forgot to mention, yeah, Matt, that... That you, you, you at one point uh, was the, uh, what do you call it, National Leader for Christian Surfers New Zealand? Yeah, that's correct. So I've got a um, surfing background. Um, so when I was uh, nine, year old, nine years old, I was fortunate to get um, taught how to surf by my brother. Uh, and then fast forward, I was National Director for Christian Surfers for five years. Um, and fortunately got to travel the world and work with leaders all over the world, travel New Zealand surfing, which was just absolutely amazing. Um, but also to be sort of similar to a travel, traveling pastor, but without, you know, that pastoral title. Yeah. But I was working with um, churches and leaders and working with local groups and um, just, you know, preaching the gospel at the same time, but using my weapon for um, using surfing as a weapon for Jesus yeah. um, to, to find something like minded. And that could be anything, anybody out there, whatever you're into, could be mountain biking, gardening. It's just basically taking your gifts and talents and using them for God. So my testimony stems from a surfing background. Yeah. So are you all good, Ant? Shall I Come just on. read them? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. I so, like um, I need to snug up with some blanket. And I'm... Yeah, yeah. Should we have story time with it? <laughs> just kidding. Go and for it's it. It's not that long, so, you know, hopefully this doesn't bore people. Um, but basically, I was holidaying at Hotwater Beach over on the east coast of the North Island of New Zealand with my family in 1987. So it goes back a little while. Um, being an enthusiastic young man, I was keen to have a go in a local surf competition that Christian surfers crew happened to be running. I paid my $5 and hit the waves, but I didn't do that good in the competition. Even so, I was stoked to meet a lot of Christian surfers guys and hook them up with them later back in my hometown. 
I knew something was different about them. They were having fun and surfing hard without any drugs or alcohol. Being an enthusiastic, inquisitive young guy, I was keen to find out what these guys were into. So I biked over to one of the leaders' houses and asked God into my heart. I cried heaps and was totally stoked to know Jesus. He really filled a gap in my life. I come from a broken family, so God blew me away by exposing me to lots of cool adventures and great role models in my life. My life was filled with heaps of surf trips, hanging out on the weekends at church, hanging out on the weekends and at church, and of course, Christian surfers meetings. As I entered into Christian surfers leadership, I was able to pass, I was able to pass that all on to other young guys and girls and to help them out. So there's a little bit of a, a history. Yeah. It, started, it started with my family uh, holidaying at the beach. And from there being introduced to Christian surfers, they were out surfing and that attracted me straight away because I was, you know, just wondering what they were up to. So I got involved and, uh, you know, it just took a couple of guys back then, young men, I guess, to take me under their wing and uh, give me a hope and a future of something different. So back then too, the surfing scene was not as professional as it, um, yeah. as it is now and it attracted a lot of riffraff. And a lot of things that went along with surfing that wasn't so good but i was attracted to the uh, physical sport of it and the exercise and the challenge of surfing waves and keeping fit and healthy and just you know pushing me into into spots that um you know needed faith as well taking off on larger waves and praying eventually before you take off on these waves so i wanted i wanted to i wanted to know what these guys had and i could just see a hunger and thirst in, yeah. in their hearts and minds and and just also the love of sport so that that went right alongside it and uh, yeah, here I am today. So still surfing. Mm. Uh, my family surfs, um, a lot of surfing friends. I know you ants have come out to the beach um, and Elliot, who's going to talk later and share with us, he surfs. And it's just a way that we can grow together and spend time together and have lots of fun together. So that's yeah. a little bit of my testimony. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So uh, Matt and Michelle, uh, Matt's amazing wife, they've started a Surfer Connect group and we can come out and learn how to surf through our church and I've been going along and you know for the last two years I'm doing pretty good I can now stand up on the board all good my next step now is to get the board into the water so I'm really <laughs> excited by that so <laughs> um so Matt Matt uh, um so it all started for your hot water beach right that's yes. where it all started and then um there was a lot of surfing around the world what kind of places has Christian surfers taken you what countries well wow. so I've been to France Australia South Africa um, England, um, been to Brazil. Um, I think the key thing here is to to highlight is that it's a little bit of a unique parachurch ministry, um, very committed to the church, but um, you're not going to get, say, Christian Surfers National Director in New Zealand being able to go and meet another Christian Surfers National Director in New Zealand. So what the uh, world leaders, Brett Davis, decided to do at the time in Australia, he said, like, every two years, let's have an international conference, and he'd choose a really cool spot. So it might be Brazil, local surf spot in Brazil, We'd all meet, go over to Brazil, encourage one another, like-minded people gathering, but also we'd get to surf with the locals and outreach to the locals. Yeah, so awesome. every single time you're picking up your surfboard, you're using yeah. it as a weapon for Jesus. It's not, oh, let's just go out and have a selfish surf and think just about myself. It's like, you know what? Let's go out and teach people to surf. Let's, because um, a lot of people have got surfing on their bucket list. A lot of surfers, in, a lot of people in New Zealand have a surfboard in their garage and they just need someone to get alongside them and encourage yeah. them. And, and, and try something new, but at the same time, I want to preach the gospel. And, you know, I just want to, so, so what Christian Surfers have gone down, they've got to make a Surfers Bible. Wow. And, uh, and you're on it. a lot of outreach. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not in this one. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, I never got to that level, but you've got so many professional surfers that actually then ended up giving their testimony. Wow. Surf shapers, um, people that are on the world circuit, 
And, you know, there's a key thing here. If you think of, like, um, say, football and the influence that football has in the world, um, or, you know, someone like a, a rock star, a singer, a band, and look at the influence, look at the following they have. So if these people are influenced for Christ, then they have a huge influence over people who are going to do and, and, and follow what they say. So there's a lot of famous surfers who became Christians and they put out a surfer's Bible. So then we were hoping people would read the surfer's Bible, which they have. These have been distributed all over the world in many languages. So then people suddenly, young people like me, when I was a grom or a little little kid, people were like, oh, wow, look at that person. Yeah, they're cool. And they yeah. surf. Wow, they're a Christian, you know? So it's the people that they can relate to. Now, that could be in anything. It yeah. could be, like I said, gardening. It could be totally winks for Christ. It could be chess for Christ. <laughs> but if you've got people representing the world and they're influencing others and, it, you know, and then you write about them and read about them, then come on. That's awesome, you know? That's, that's really awesome. Good. Yeah, and, and, you know, a big anything. part of it is discipleship. Um, you talk about, right. like, um, as, a, as a grommet, as a young yes. fella, but you're always yes. connected with some of the older guys and they're, they're teaching yes. you. So there's a lot of discipleship going on teaching how to read, teaching how to pray, coming to get around the fire, doing a Bible study. Oh, you talk, so you so. shared stories like at the bottom of a skateboard, bowl, wherever yes. you were. So, um, And also, they also taught you their time to put your surfboards down, lay it aside and, and yes. things like that. Could you share a bit about that kind yeah. of discipleship? What did that look like? Absolutely. Look, you know, there were so many times that, um, like, I mean, we didn't have cell phones and all the technology that young people are captivated by these days. But I think even more so young people at the moment, it doesn't have to be young people, it could be any person. They're really hungry. And the reason is we're so absorbed by so much stuff that's me, me, me. When you go and talk to someone and spend time with them, I think they're really blown away. They go, wow, you really care about me. You know, you're ringing me, you're talking to me. And it's as simple as that. When I was 17, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, 47, 48 this year. When I was 17, the, the, the thing is, People would ring me up and go, hey, Matt, do you want to come to the beach? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, keen as, keep my surfboard ready, jump in the car. And that 40 minutes from Hamilton to Raglan to the beach was talk time. You know, you're trapped. You're in the car. They can influence you. They can talk to you. <laughs> gotcha. And, then, and then you're in their hands. Of course you want to ride to the beach. So you're like, yeah, yeah, what do you want me to listen to? What do you want me to do? And so you're an excited young person who's in their hands and they're like, man, I just want to talk to you about Jesus. So you're captivated. And and that then becomes um, a connection that becomes a relationship and that becomes a trust thing. And then yeah. my mom was stoked. She was like, wow, you know what? There's these people that are keen to hang out with my son and influence him in the great direction. And so from there, Christian surfers would have random things happen. So we, of course we go surfing for the weekend. We'd take off on a surf trip to Taranaki. Um, we'd be on the beach and then you'd be sitting around a fire and, and they'd share the Bible. They'd share the good news, that outreach, that preach, and you'd be listening to these stories and then you'd be surfing these amazing waves and you'd be praying because it's big waves and you'd be like, you're learning to pray. You're learning to, you're finding out about the Bible, but it happens in a very natural way. And I think if we can get back to our natural roots, it doesn't matter if it's hunting yeah. or fishing or spending time, you know, um, doing arts and crafts. If we can use our gifts and talents, you know, in the yeah, Bible, that's, good. Talents, that's good, man. Then, um, you know what, we can just naturally captivate people with what yeah. we're encouraged about. And um, another, another key thing I think is that, um, I think we've got to think too. Are we? If we just go and stick a like a big sign out in front of the church, all surfers welcome, or all racing car drivers welcome, are they just going to walk in off the street? Maybe so, maybe so. But if you look at, um, say, Fongamata Baptist, you know when they have the, um, the you know the car rally over in, in, in the beach hop over in Fongamata, they get the church out and they start praying for the drivers. You know, so yeah, it's that's about good. going out and being in amongst the people rather than mm. thinking that everyone's just going to walk into the building. And of yeah, course we want, good. we want to grow the church, but the church is just not limited to the four walls either. So, you know, that's really important to keep our minds open. That's great. 
What what well, what kind of advice can you give somebody who is looking to learn how to surf? Um, yeah, good question. Look, if it's local um, and it's within Hamilton region, even if it's not, it could be further afield than Hamilton. Let's 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 you know, let's people can travel pretty quickly. I think the key thing is for us is that we're available to take learn to surf within our church on a fr Friday night out to Raglan, and we're more than happy to teach people to surf. I mean, you don't even have to surf; you can come out and walk the dog or take photos and just we just want to connect we just want people to be feel encouraged that they can come along and and get involved i think if um you're outside further afield and it's too far for you to come to our church and and meet up then then potentially just tap into the church and see if there's someone there's a surfer there um you can pay there's lots of learn to surf around new zealand um and yeah i guess that's those are your other options or you could you could um i'm not um uh precisely involved with christian surfers new zealand now but i still know that they have regional groups and uh, you can look on the Christian Surfers New Zealand website and get into touch, get in touch with Christian Surfers through the website. So that's one option anyway. But we're certainly happy to teach people to surf and spend time encouraging people and connecting with them. That's awesome. Well, just one last thing, Matt. Uh, could you just share about how you, you and Michelle found your way to Elam? Yeah, that's right. Um, good question. Thanks, Ants. Look, um, it was through a friend, and uh, a friend invited us. Uh, that friend no longer goes to Elam, but that friend has been a very good friend all my life and, and has helped me through some rocky periods in my life. Um, and I still keep in touch with that friend, a, a teaching colleague. Um, but when we when we came into Elam, um, Michelle and I wanted to venture into a church where we felt comfortable. Um, and what captivated us straight away is the love and um, the warmth that we felt as soon as we came in the door. Um, it really touched my wife's heart, really touched my heart. And uh, ever since we've just felt so comfortable at Elam, um, and in many cultures that are involved with Elam Church, I just love the fact um, that leadership teams, um, bands, worship, prayer, preachers, everybody, there's a whole lot of nationalities represented at yeah. Elam. And to me, that's just beautiful because I think it gives a greater perspective, um, not just um, one cultural perspective on things, and it opens our minds and, and, and helps us to understand the world as well. So, um, yeah, so we both got involved in Elam, and, um, yeah, we just love to be there. We love to surf. We love the people. And, uh, you know, all the stuff online, I just think it's connecting us even more. And, I, of yeah. course, we can't wait to get back and, and high fives and hugs. But, um, you know, I think it's just such a great church. And we just want to thank Elam Church for that, for what you've done for us. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, Matt, tell us what's one thing that you and Michelle are going to do when lockdown is over? <laughs> yeah. Hey, actually, um, I nearly got myself in trouble the other day. I'll tell you why. <laughs> um, <laughs> It was Michelle's birthday, and I asked her the same question. I gave her a present. I said, hey, I said, honey, here's a jug. Here's some ice block sticks. I want you to write down on the ice block sticks what you really want to do after we get out of lockdown. You know what? You know what she went and did? She went right down that she wanted another dog. And I went, oh, I forgot to fulfill the instructions specifically. So she caught me out a little bit by that. But, um, yeah, so I've been thinking about that ever since Michelle's birthday and what she wrote on the lollipop sticks. And I, th I think both of us just really are really keen to get back to the beach. And we've yeah. all appreciated the beach, but just can't wait to dip our feet back in the salt water. And I don't know, Come I'm on. hanging out to go paddleboarding and, and sailing and, and surfing and just do all those things that in the water. I'm, I'm, a I'm a fish out of water at the moment. So yeah. I'm going around and around in a fishbowl, but I've got my big goggly, you know, eye out there looking at the fish, uh, looking out there and I, I can... I can see everything's blowing up, but I just can't get to that water right now. But we'll, we'll yeah. get there. Yeah. And KFC. Oh. KFC. <laughs> yeah, KFC. Kai for Cushions. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, if you're on the coast, um, Kai for Cuzzies. 
Oh well, I, t- I tell you what, Matt. Um, what we do before before you go, what we love to do, we love to have a bit of a trivia challenge. And I don't know. To be honest, I'm I'm coming up against a school teacher, so I'm not sure um, not, how not I'm going to go on this. But um, let us introduce our guest speaker, who's bringing the word, Elliot Moore. Elliot Moore, you there? Hey, I am here. How you doing? All right. Good. Looking forward to the message. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So am I. So am I. Yeah, yeah. You, you're a surfer as well. You come out with us on our surfing nights. So how long have you, have you been surfing? Well, I've dabbled in it probably for around five years. Um, dabbling probably being the ultimate word. I wouldn't call myself <laughs> a professional by any means, but yeah, I love it. Yeah, awesome. Well, anyway, uh, we're going to do a bit of a trivia challenge um, before you get into your message. And so, um, so basically... Matt, all we've got to do, Elliot's going to ask us some questions. I think we're going to do best of three. And it's basically the first one to answer. And if we're right, and, and Ali will tell us if we're right. And uh, there's and your your prize if your prize for winning is ba- basically bragging rights. That's all it is. There's, there's no real prize but bragging rights. <laughs> no KFC. KFC. No That's uh, right. Well, I've got some uh, <clears throat> deep theological, hermeneutical, sort of uh philosophical questions for you oh so i hope goodness. you guys are ready oh my goodness i'm freaking out <laughs> okay, here we go i know you know ready, Matt? You're ready, Matt? Yeah, i'm ready right let's kick it straight off with uh, one right out of the bible now who is the shortest man in the bible <laughs> noah <laughs> um that would be knee high hey. <laughs> no no that's the second shortest man but good, good oh. guess um, the it's Noah. He don't know him much. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, I, I can't remember the guy's name because I okay, meant to be sent these questions, but his oh, last name is the Shuhamite. <laughs> oh, the Shuhamite. There you go. All right. So no one got that okay, one right. Not, right. Not there. Oh. So my, there we go. My second tallest man. Obviously, that's done already because that's Nehemiah. Right. <laughs> when was tennis first mentioned in the Bible? What the. Oh, it's when Adam said to Eve, uh, you're the ten I see. <laughs> All right, these, these biblical questions are obviously too hard, but the answer is when Moses served in the courts of oh, Pharaoh. Uh, oh, okay. my goodness. Uh, there you go. a tennis net right through that yeah, court. Yeah. <laughs> and i'm running out of questions here you guys are <laughs> right all right here's, here's an easy one your, your questions are not holy man wait all right here's right an yet. easy one for you who's, who's the greatest surfer of all time kelly slater oh jesus he walked on water oh yeah jesus walked on water true uh, yeah but you know that's you know that's barefooting that's not surfing <laughs> <laughs> oh wait okay, okay. Exactly. here's the is the best barefooted of all time Barefooter, yeah, barefooter. All right, all right, that's one. That's one. To, that's one to Matt. Right, um, <laughs> I'm getting to some basic questions now. Who's the minister of finance in New Zealand? Oh, I was just watching him on TV. He's Jim a really Bolger. good dude. No. <laughs> oh, what's his name? I'm not good with names. No, no. I'll give you. I'll give you a little, a no, little clue. Man. His last name starts with Rob. Rob Bell. No, that his last name Robinson. What's his first name? Doug Robinson. Oh. No. Oh, I, I'm. I'm um, I know. Um, it's uh, it's uh, it's Razor Robertson. All right, yeah, right. Let's move on to the Robinson Crusoe. I feel easy. It's Grant oh, Robertson, all right? 
Grant Robinson. Grant. All right. Here, here's, here's, a, here's an easy one out of the Bible. What book is between Jeremiah and Lamentations? Oh, my goodness. I've got no chance tonight. Wait, wait. Um, <laughs> Jeremiah Hold on. Hold and on. Lamentations. Go, go, Matt. Does he have to wear a KFC bucket on his head? <laughs> uh, it's um, Daniel? Isaiah? No. <laughs> Jeremiah. Jeremiah? There's no book between Jeremiah and Lamentations. They're quick, quick you're right. So there you go. You both got it. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Right, here's, here's an easy one. Look, we haven't even got one done yet. What's, oh, you're uh, making us look really bad, eh? What was Jesus' first miracle? Uh, turning water into wine. Water into wine. Right. A tie. Seriously, that yeah. was a real tie. Yeah, all right, all right. Cool, cool. Well, that's that's one. Uh, what else can I say? Uh, that's one each. Who's the richest man in New Zealand? Michael Fay. No. Um... Uh, it's the widow's mite. <laughs> richest man in New Zealand. <laughs> richest man in New Zealand. Mr. Warehouse? Not me. <laughs> uh, that's all right. <laughs> no, no, let's keep moving then. Let's keep moving. Oh, I'm running out of questions, man. Help Christian. me out here, boys. Help me out here. We need, no, this, what this day does Christmas. Santa Claus arrive on? Christmas Eve. Yeah, a reindeer. A sleigh. Christmas Eve. Yeah. When? What was the question? I didn't hear it. <laughs> Christmas? I don't know. What was please? Right. Please Listen, repeat this, the question. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't know any questions to ask. What? What? Uh, what else can we ask you? Um, where? What are we? Where are we at? Uh, Ant, you've got one. You're in your house. Two. You're in your house. Yeah. I got it. Yes. Uh, so Matt's got one. He's got Kelly Slater, and I've got. <laughs> you've got one. I tell you what. Why don't we just call it a draw? Let's oh, call yeah. it a draw because this is. Okay. Here painful. we go, Matt. We're gonna do a high. Uh, we're gonna do um uh uh high five. High five. Ready for high, high five? five. Here we go, Matt. High five. Okay, there you go. Thank you, guys. Anyway, Matt, thank you so much for being thank with us tonight on Table Talk. We'll yes. see you out there on the waves eating KFC. Yes, yes. yes. Okay, any last words? Romans 8.28. Oh, good one. Oh, yeah. nice. Love Romans 8.28. Yeah. God bless yeah. everybody. Hey, um, just everybody's doing an amazing job. Mr. 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 Farnell, Mr. Family, Mr. Church Family, but... Just think church leadership's doing a wonderful job to have us online. And um, yeah, just everybody hang in there. High fives when we get in that door at church. But um, look after your families and be gentle and kind to everybody. God bless, guys. Thank you, Matt. And let's hand it over to Elliot with the word. Thank you, Elliot. All right, Go cheers, mate. You. Thanks so much. Now, that was uh, that's the hardest uh, <clears throat> little game I've ever played, actually, if you too. But anyway. I'll, I'll get easier questions next time. Hey, look, it's great to be here. Look, uh, um, thanks so much for everyone that's um, tuned in. Um, I'd like to share a little bit um, tonight, um, keeping it pretty good, um, pretty simple out of one verse. And uh, look, I'll, I'll get, back, get back to the start of things. When I was a young fellow, I was, I was brought up in a, in a place called Mangakino, which is um, just off the Waikato River, about 30, 40 minutes out of Tokoroa and uh, probably similar out the back of Te Aumutu. So it's a little um, town where um, basically got built out of um, building two big dams on the Waikato River. And uh, so anyway, when I, when I grew up in uh, Mangakino, I was at primary school there. 
And uh, at, at the school, one thing that I was really passionate about was reading. And to, to the point where I used to basically harass the teachers. Well, I don't know about harass, but manipulated, pestered, encouraged the teachers that much about my reading that they'd actually sit down with me um, over over their breaks and actually read with me because I was, I was pestering that pestering them that that much about it. Um, and and the crazy thing out, is out of all of us is that it was um, they ended up putting me forward a year at school partly due to where my birthday was, was which is sort of around the middle or well, next month basically, but also because they thought I was this incredibly highly intelligent kid um, who was you know going way beyond anyone else that was reading. Um, at school at that age so um, here I was I was pushed forward a year at school and from then on I mean I was just Joe average I mean I I struggled even though I read a lot I didn't necessarily know the grammar I struggled at maths I, 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 was, I was just that that kid that was you know never really excelled at anything never really necessarily failed at anything but it was just sort of you know through 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 the middle through the middle you know I never got any prizes uh you know for participation but wait a minute they didn't used to give prizes for participation when i was back at school anyway but uh you know that, that was the sort of life i had through school and uh it was interesting because we 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 ended up shifting towns and we shifted to hamilton and uh i went to hillcrest normal primary school uh just right by the motorway over in hillcrest and uh and the amazing thing was, is the first time I think in my whole life outside of uh, that reading sort of episode, is I got chosen for something. And, uh, and what it was, was to play, believe it or not, the, the grand chess master of the school who actually played in, a, in, a, in the Waikato competition. I didn't even know there was a Waikato competition. I just used to play chess because I enjoyed it. And uh, anyway, so I played this guy called Gary Shun. And uh, it was a tense match. It was the best of three. And uh, can I tell you, I was, yeah, I mean, I played like a boss in the first game. I absolutely wiped the floor. Poor old Gary. I think he was cowering somewhere in the corner. And, uh, and then, but then he came back. And I mean, it was, it was an emotional game. It was, it, it, you know, it, it, was, it was one of those games where, you know, there's probably about two people watching on. Uh, no, there was probably five, actually. It wasn't that big a thing. But uh, but I ended up winning one game out of three, and everyone was blown away because here's this sort of average sort of kid that played a bit of chess that's pretty average at most subjects. Evidently, you're meant to be an incredible, uh, incredible at mathematics to be good at chess, and this was something that I definitely wasn't good at. And uh, here I was, uh, and I won one game out of three against this guy who was, who was the chess champion. So uh, that, that was the day that, in a way, I think it sort of changed my attitude a little bit to school and life and, and just thinking that, hey, look, I can actually succeed at something and, and beat someone. And, and, you know, I think part of, my, part of my strategy was is that I was just the randomness of my logic, a little bit like my storytelling. I jump around a little bit. And, uh, you know, where Gary was expecting this baby Jesus sort of meek guy coming in, being submissive, and he would do all the big moves. But instead, he got the roaring lion. He got the man that was out there. And I took, took him to the party. And, you know, the, the cool thing, I think, in life is that, just like I was chosen then, is that we are a chosen people. Um, the Bible uh, says in First Peter uh, 2 verse 9, 
it says, but you are a chosen generation. And I love this verse because what it, what it talks about in, in this word chosen is that we are picked out. We're not the average Andy, you know. We're not the, you know, but, but we're the favorite. We're the favorite son, Fred, man. We are the chosen people. We are the elect people. It doesn't matter where we've come from or, or whether we think we're successful or not successful. It just is the way God looks at us. And that is that we are chosen. And then that's a powerful, a powerful thing. Look, we, we live in a generation where many people are, are hopeless. They don't feel like they've got anything to live for. They just feel like, you know, they're just, you know, doing the nine to five, you know, sort of thing, working or just going to school, coming back as answers, eating other people's lunches, um, you know, this type of thing. But, but you know, we are chosen. And uh, this, this next word in this verse is brilliant too, because it goes on to say that we are a chosen generation, which, which means that, you know, we are chosen together. We're in this together. And, uh, you know, the crazy thing is, is in the world, we see that people look at, people look at it a little bit differently than the church. And that is that, uh, you know, they say, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link, for example, which is, which is an old saying, and it's a famous saying from many years ago, from a guy who wrote that saying in, in 1786, believe it or not. And, but, but, but as someone that follows God, we are different to that. We're all in this together. We can't say, we can't be saying that we've got nothing to add. You know, we can't be saying we've got nothing to add. We have something to add. We are a chosen generation. I mean, the Bible says very clearly that um, in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, it talks about if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Um, if one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. So we see this, this uh, you know, we see this economy and the things of God where it's not necessarily the strong that make it happen. It's like, you know, in our weakness is God's strength. So it doesn't matter how we come or, or how we engage with God. We've just got to realize that we are chosen and that we are part of this generation. We're part of this grouping. We're part of this community, which is the church. Um, and, and, and let me tell you, the church is a powerful thing to be a part of. I mean, Jesus said himself that he's laid down his body for the church. And uh, he's coming back for his bride. So, I mean, that, that's a fantastic picture of, of uh, God's love for us as the body of Christ. Now, as we come down through this verse, it goes into the next part. And, and uh, this, this is quite a fam famous thing. Like Even Lord, the famous singer in New Zealand, sung about it. And that is, we're royal. Na, 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 na. I think you might know the song. But uh, we're not only a chosen generation, but we are royal. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about royal, I don't necessarily think about, uh, you know, uh, the, the royals over in England. But, you know, I do think about it being that we are kingly, that we are descendants of a king. Um, you know, and, and someone that's royal to me, you know, they walk with a bit of swagger. They don't just walk in there and sort of cower away into the corner and, and sit down, you know. They, they walk with some confidence. Um, someone that's royal walks in there as if they are meant to be there. And uh, the cool thing I think about uh, being a person that's called as a royal person, um, a chosen generation, is that uh, we need to walk as if we've got that confidence not based on who we are, but who we know, and that is the king. 
you know, and there's this responsibility too that comes from being a royal. I like to call it the sniffer. Now, can you sniff with me tonight? You know, as long as you don't sneeze, because everyone will be diving for cover for the COVID. But uh, you know, we need to we need to have this, you know, this sort of, you know, not that we're up ourselves and our nose are above everyone else, but we need to be just breathing in this thing of God and letting it flow out of us. Now, I, I've um, I've been praying a bit lately, about seven or eight months ago. I always say to God, look, is there opportunity to bless anyone? Is there opportunity to give anyone? This is how I, I live my life. And I believe as a royal, we should be doing this as well. Um, just as a royal can pardon people, a royal can bless people and, and, and help people where they are. And uh, I was in a gas station in, uh, in Cambridge, the Shell gas station just off the motorway. And uh, anyway, um, a lady was there and I was over one side. There's a couple of tools and uh, she couldn't afford her gas. And I was halfway through a transaction and it was taking a while and I was in the line and, and I felt this compulsion. I should, I should go over there and pay for this woman's gas. And I didn't do it. I just sort of was in the line and I was halfway doing something. And, I, and, and, and you know, I should have just grasped the moment. And, uh, and, and uh, the cool thing is, is the other day, an opportunity opened. It's like several months later, I'm at, I'm at the supermarket countdown in town. And, uh, you know, there's this big separational thing, as everyone knows, if they go to the supermarket where you have to stand, a, you know, two metres apart and you've got to wait and they've got the screens up. And anyway, there were two ladies at uh, the counter. I was the next one back. This is at about eight o'clock at night. I do my shopping pretty late. And uh, anyway... Uh, they started to sort of, it was taking a while, there's heaps of groceries on the, on the, on the um, counter and uh, one of them started arguing with the other girl a little bit and I sort of, you know, I thought, oh, what's going on here? So I said, hey, is everything all right? And I thought they were, they thought I was trying to butt in, but my logic was, man, is there an opportunity here? You know, I was sniffing the air, I was thinking, man, can I do something? Can I, you know, what can I bring to this situation right now? And, and then, the, then I asked the second time, you know, I had to get my nose in the midst of it. And uh, the second time when I asked, they said, oh, look, um, this girl's meant to be paying that much money, but she hasn't got the money to pay. So now we've got to go and get the money. And I just said straight out aloud that, hey, I'll pay for this. And, uh, and both the girls just turned around stunned. The person behind the counter turned around stunned. The per there was a person zapping her own groceries in the self-service aisle, turned around stunned. And also the security guy that was at the end turned around stunned. And uh, so they just said, oh, if I could hug you right now, I would. This is what the lady said. And I just said, hey, look, God bless you. You know, this, this is cool. It's no, not a problem. So, you know, I, I paid the money. And I tell you what, I walked out of that place and I felt like royal. I'm still amping today. And this was several days ago now. And, and, and that's the type of people we need to be. You know, we are chosen. We are called for a purpose. And uh, we're a generation. We're in this together. You know, we've got to work as a team. You know, this thirdly here, you know, we are royal. You know, we're called to bring the business wherever we're going. We're, we're called to make an impact where we are because of, not because of who we are, but, but because of who he is. And man, he's mighty. So uh, that was cool. And uh, I'm still amped about that right now. I could talk about that all night, but I've got about 10 to 15 minutes left. So let's keep moving. Um, the next part in this is, uh, is, is priesthood, um, a royal priesthood. And this gets my wheels spinning, this one. Uh, 
it talk in the in the Greek it talks about um, a, the priestly uh, fraternity. It basically means, and I love I love this thought is that you know we are in a priestly fraternity. You know, I always think of the American films over the years I've watched where there's frat parties and all of this. Well, man, we are in a frat party for the king. We are royal priests. And uh, <clears throat> one really cool thing is, uh, I was looking into this a bit, and, and basically this priesthood thing, this pre word priesthood, literally in the Old Testament, when it was translated into Greek, which they called the Septuagint, this was in the um, third century before Christ came. Um, so it's going back a few years. But whenever um, Christ was, uh, the word Christ was written, um, it meant Christos. And this Christos um, transferred exactly to anointing or the anointed. So, and, and the picture here is of the priests is that any time a priest in the Old Testament and the, Septuag the Septuagint was talked about, it was basically uh, the word that was used was called Messiah. Uh, and we know the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Christos, the anointed one. And the term applied to these priests who were anointed with the holy oil. And I love this thought. I mean, well, hey, right now, we're, if you're watching this now, point your finger into your chest and just say, I am anointed with the holy oil. I am a priest. I'm a priest of a fraternity. And that's us. That's us. I mean, look, it, 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 if there's any, any time I, I want to, you know, jump up and start dancing around like James Brown, you know, woo, I feel good. I mean, this is the time, you know, we are a royal priesthood, you know, in, made in the image of Christ, this Messiah, we're anointed by the holy oil. I mean, it blows my mind, you know, it's something that we need to declare over our life and remind ourselves that we're not here just to muck around. We're not here just to, you know, fulfill, uh, you know, a certain time in life. We are here for purpose. We've been called as anointed people. Jesus, when he stood up and preached out of the book of Isaiah, the first time when he stood up in, in, the, um, <clears throat> in the temple there, he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty uh, to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed. And uh, and this is this is what this is what we're talking about here is that he has not only was Jesus saying that he that he was anointed, but we are anointed because we are this royal priesthood. This this verse goes on to say uh, straight after that uh, that we are holy, that we're a holy nation, and I think we all understand what uh, this word holy uh, means. You know, it's set apart, it's walking purely, it's it's walking blamelessly. It's putting aside the things that you know aren't right. And look, I've, I understand that, that as a Christian, sin looks differently for different people. I think the further you've walked in the Lord, the less thing you get away and get away with. Uh, the further you go up the steps, you know, a sin for you up there may be a small thing compared to someone that's just starting. Because as you grow and you start to walk and develop and, uh, and get mature in Christ, uh, you 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 get less opportunity to get away with things that perhaps you should have when that you would have when you were younger as a Christian. So there's this real onus on us as walking as this these royal priests is that we need to live holy. And I know that. Look, if you think about it, if you think about a priest, you'd like to think that a priest is holy. 
I mean, if I just picture a priest right now, I, I, in my mind, I'm thinking that person's living a dedicated life, a consecrated life, a life with purpose and mission. And so let, let's be those type of people. Let's de- be the type of people that walk with this, with this, uh, this eye. You know, let's be be the be the type of people that walk with focus, that walk with you know our heads held high. You know, looking for the opportunity, looking to impact people, looking to have an impact on someone's life. Um, yeah, so. It's, just reading on in this verse, I mean, it's 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 such a well-known verse, but you know, but you were a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, um, and you're special, a special people, and 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 uh, you know, this is cool. I mean, some versions of the Bible say that you're peculiar, and uh, I, I kind of like that because I think as a Christian, we are a bit peculiar. We are, I mean, we're totally normal, and we we should be the best, most loving, caring people around. But we are unique. You know, we've been marked with the soil. We've been marked with a purpose. And uh, we, we, we're, we're not someone that's just a part of a rugby club or a soccer club or a netball club um, or a hockey club. We are people that are part of a kingdom of priests, of holy priests. And, uh, and we're special because of that. We're special because God has chosen us. And uh, like the Bible says that we are aliens. I mean, catch that out. I mean, we are aliens. We are passing through this place. I mean, our focus is, is should be towards eternity. Like the Bible says that, you know, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is temporary, uh, what is, what is uh, seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we need to have that eternal focus as we're walking through life. Be totally practical on a daily, daily, uh, every every day, but having that eternal focus and what we're doing in the practical. So we're the special people, and why are we all of us? Just doing a time check. I've got five minutes, so that's cool. Um, we're 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 special uh, people. Uh, you know, we're this royal priesthood and holy nation because we've been called to proclaim. Uh, the Greek word for proclaim is exangelo. And it literally means like to publish, like, like to publish a newspaper. It means to celebrate. It means to declare, to announce publicly. And guess what? You're probably waiting for this one to preach. And, and, and this is it. You know, we're special. We're this holy nation. And we're called to proclaim. And who are we called to proclaim? We're called to proclaim the praises of him. And, uh, hey, look. This, this is our highest calling in life, is to be people that praise God, that bring worship and honour to God. We know all the verses, or you may, you may not know, but it says that God dwells in the praises of his people. You know, I mean, that's a powerful thing. When we worship God, when we seek his face, God inhabits the praises of his people. Now, this last part of this verse talks about uh, he has called us out of darkness. And I love this word darkness. And I thought about ants when I read this verse because uh, the meaning of this darkness means shadiness. And, no, I, I can see ants in the picture. No, I'm not thinking of you ants. Actually, when I read this first, I thought exactly, hey, I'm pointing the finger right at me. I thought I'm a bit of a shady man. <laughs> Keep it down there, ants, will you? <laughs> but, you know, it, it has the impression of, of obscurity. So he's called us out of obscurity. He's called us out of our hidden practices into his marvelous light. 
um, into his wonderful light. And uh, what, what, a, what an awesome thing, you know, as we praise him, he calls us uh, out of this dark place of obscurity and he brings us into this place of light. And uh, I, 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 one, one thing that I always think about when I, when I uh, think about the word light is um, swimming. I don't know if you've ever done it, but I've been privileged to be uh, multiple times actually in different areas. One time I was in uh, Beachlands, and, uh, which is just by my right eye up in Auckland, not by my left eye, like most people would say straight away, but by my right eye. And uh, we were swimming out there as, as a youth group one night, and, and it was just perfect. You know, the sea was still, uh, the moorporks were moorporking. Um, pork. Um, and uh, we were all swimming in, in the ocean at night. And, and it, at that time, there was phosphorescence in the water. Um, or bioluminescence, they call it, where it's, it's like marine plankton or algae in the water that just lights up. And I don't know if you've ever swum in those environments, but it literally, you feel like an angelic creature. Like you just got this shimmering light all around you every time you move. And, 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 and you just, you, you feel like an angel. Um, one time I was at Waihau Island, which is out, out um, in the upper gulf and a camp and we were canoeing about we went out on a boat got there late at night exactly the same it was like luminous water all around us and uh can i say um just as i sort of draw things to a conclusion here is, is when when i think about this light we've been called out of the shady place of obscurity into his marvelous wonderful light this is what i think about is that we have this light in and on our lives, because we're worshippers of God, because we've been called and chosen, we're this royal priest, and we have the marking, the anointing on our, on our lives. And, and, and what I think about is two things in this, um, and, and this is as I close, is firstly, we need to be a bit like a cat. You know, cats are out there, I mean, there's a cat in the house here called Skilly, it's a cool little cat. It's always killing birds, it's pretty violent in a lot of ways, but it's just a loving, good cat, but they're always coming up rubbing up against you you know they're always coming up asking for food <laughs> like most cats and uh, but I think as children of light this is how we have to be we just need to be adding salt to the situation rubbing up against other people's lives and impacting with this, this marvelous light that we've received this luminescence of God this anointing this marking of God and secondly I think we need to be a little bit like a dog. Now, I was out walking the dog the other day and uh, called Holly, which is my sister's dog. And uh, dogs are filthy. I mean, they just look for the most rotten, filthy, dead eels, any old half-eaten meat. It just doesn't matter what it is. They just get in there and, and they, just, they just relish in it and rub it all over their body and just get amongst it. And I think we need to be a bit like a dog too, because man, you know, just as they like the dead stuff, we're influencing dead people, dead man walking, you know, so we need to be rubbing off on other people, uh, like a cat, like a dog, letting this light of God just shine out of our lives, just influencing the situation where we are. So can I encourage you as I finish? Uh, let's just, I'll just read this verse out again, but you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. So be catly, be dogly, 
rub off against other people and let your light shine. Cheers, Ants. Awesome. Thank you, Elliot, for one shady character to another. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. I love that because, you know, we, we've been blessed to be a blessing. Uh, mm. And I just love to be like a cat, be like a dog. And I, I love all the analogies you got there. Fantastic. Hey, what, a, what an amazing um, word. And that's what you've been called to do. You've been called to be a blessing. And I really do encourage you that as you begin to um, to go about your week and as you begin to um, get closer to God, and, and even while we're in our bubble, you can still um, contact somebody, encourage you, get on the phone. Um, get onto Zoom, um, Insta message or whatever. Let's let's be more connected like we have never been before. And that's one thing I do find about being in um, lockdown. I do find like people are connected more than we've ever been before. I think the greatest tragedy will be when we come out of lockdown and we go back to being shallow online, shallow with one another. But let's continue to be deeper. You know, if, if more than anything, God's called you to be a light. That luminous light, as Elliot was talk, talking about, you are a royal priesthood. That's who you are. And begin to uh, uh, rub off on other people as iron sharpens iron. That's discipleship. That's what Matt was talking about with the surface, Christian surface. Iron sharpening iron as we begin to uh, rub off a bit of light on one another. And this is what this world needs. The church is the hope of the world. Well, we've come to the end of our table talk for another week. What an amazing guest we've had. I mean, Elliot, you're amazing. Fantastic. We'll love to hear from you again. Um, Mr. Matt Foster. Well, that's incredible. I love the little trivia challenge we had, you know, and I'm pretty sure um, Matt said to Michelle, you know, you're the 10 I see. Anyway, <laughs> and we're going to come to a close. Don't forget this Sunday. 10 a.m. for our online service. We're going to have a special Anzac service. So look forward to see you there this Sunday, 10 a.m., the same channel, the same link. See you there. God bless everybody. Bye.